Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 6, chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6. You guys ready to get into God's Word this morning? Everybody, you ready to, um, to dig in a little bit and go deep? Yeah? Good. Or you just want to get it over with and just watch the Super Bowl later today, you know? You tell me, you know, whichever one you want, you know? Um, okay, so 2 Samuel 6, okay? Let me give you a little bit of context. 2 Samuel chapter 5, the previous chapter, you have King David. He is actually becoming king in chapter, 2 Kings chapter 5. And um, you have to understand this. David was anointed to be king when he was a teenager. But it didn't happen immediately. The promise was not fulfilled for like another 16, 17 years. And so this was a big deal for David. This is something that he had been thinking about for a while. This was a promise that God had given David. And at times, I'm sure he thought that God had forgotten about him. And so in chapter 5, 2 Samuel chapter 5, David, David finally becomes a king. We're in chapter 6. The first thing that David is going to do from chapter 5 to chapter 6 is, number one, he's going to, his first order of business is going to be to subdue his enemies because Israel had enemies all over the place. So the first thing that he's going to do is he's going to subdue his enemies. The second goal that he had, which is kind of what we're going to talk about today, is going to be to bring the ark of God back to Jerusalem. Okay, so the ark of God had been stolen and David is going to bring it back and um, the ark was like Israel's national treasure, okay? It was, imagine for us, it would be as if uh, we, we're in, in, in war against uh, a neighboring nation and they steal the Declaration of Independence, okay? Like, man, that's something that's a value to us as a nation. Well, the ark, was, was the ark of God was that for the Israelites. It, it meant God's blessing. It represented, it was... It was a, um, I think there's a picture of it. Can we put a picture of it? It looks something like this. It was essentially a, um, a, a gold-covered wooden chest. And it was inside this ark that the Ten Commandments were kept. Remember the Ten Commandments that God gives Moses? Well, they were kept in this place, okay? It was, um, it was the, um, the, the, the rod that, that Aaron had, that Moses and Aaron had, the staff that they had was kept in this place. Remember the staff that they used before the Israelites were delivered from the Egyptians and, uh, and all of that? They, the Hebrew people believed that the, the rod, the staff, was in, endowed with powers. Like, like they thought that there was something about this, this thing and so they kept it in the ark. Okay? So this was a big deal. Okay? You guys tracking? Everybody tracking? You good? Give me a thumbs up. You following? If not, I can start over. It'll be it'll, it'll be. Um, okay, so this is a big deal. New king, he's got, he's got to do two things, two main goals. I'm going to take care of my enemies, and I'm going to bring the ark back to Jerusalem. Okay? Verse 1. It says, Then David, again, gather all the elite troops in Israel, 30,000 in all. So he's, he's going like after the Navy SEALs. He's going after like the best of the best. He led them to Baal of Judah to bring back the ark of God. 
which bears the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, who's enthroned between the cherubim. They place the ark, watch this, don't miss this, okay, this is important. They place the ark of God on a new what? Cart. On a new cart and brought it from Abinadab's house, which was on a hill. Pay attention to that as well, that's important for the story. Uzzah and Ahio, Abinadab's sons, were guiding the cart that carried the ark of God. Ahio walked in front of the ark. Now, you may not know this, but this was the wrong way of doing it. Now, to you and to me, like, that doesn't mean anything. But the way that they were transporting the ark was the way that the Philistines, the Philistines were God's enemies. The Philistines were the people, I mean, they were brutal. They were, they were, they were into child, um, children's sacrifices, and it was like, it, they were evil, wicked people. And so, the way that they would carry the ark was the way that the Israelites were carrying it right now. Now, to you and to me, like, it doesn't make sense. But what the Israelites had done, what David had done, is they had copied the method that the, Philipp- the Philistines had used to carry the ark. And God doesn't like that. Because God doesn't want you to be, to imitate the world. It's, it's Jesus' prayer. Remember when Jesus prayed with his disciples? What did he say? Like, when he prayed for you, he says, you know, like, you're in the world. You're not of the world, but you're in the world. And he wants you to be different. He wants you, it's the word... When God says, be perfect as I am perfect, he's talking, the, the word there is the word separate, be different. So you and I, we should look a little bit different than the rest of the world, okay? That's why share the love is sharing Christ's love in tangible ways, in ways in which like maybe other people would not do, okay? So they're carrying the ark, they're doing it the wrong way. Um, this, is, this, is, um, this is not what God wanted. In fact, if you want a couple of references, um, 1 Samuel chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, that will show you how the Philistines carry the ark. Okay, so that's a great reference if you're, if you're taking notes. Numbers chapter 4, um, verses 5 through 15, tells them, God tells the Israelites how to do it the proper way. Okay, so 1 Samuel chapter 6, we're in 2 Samuel chapter 6, so basically a whole book before this. 1 Samuel chapter 6 is... The wrong way of carrying the ark. In Numbers chapter 4, verses 5 through 15, God tells him, this is how I want you to carry this thing. He tells him three things. He said, I want the ark to be moved by the Levites. The Levites were the priests. They were the the men of God. They represented God in in many ways. They said, when you carry the ark, you're supposed to carry carry it by these, like they had these poles. I don't know if you saw it on on the picture. They had these carrying poles, and what God had said to them is, when you carry this thing, I want you to carry it by the poles, and do not touch it. No matter what you do, do not touch the ark. To touch the ark was a capital offense under Hebrew law. Law. Does that make sense? You guys tracking? Okay. Verse 6. Watch this. When they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon, watch this, the oxen, what? Stumble. And Uzzah reached out his hand and steadied the ark of God. What did he do? He touched it. Okay? He touched it. The oxen, basically, they're, they're, what, they're, what it was doing, it was pulling the cart. The ark was on the, on the cart. The oxen stumble. The ark is about to fall off. And this guy, Uzzah, tries to steady it. Right? He's doing something that in his mind he thought it was the right thing to do. Right? He was, he was doing, like his motive was probably in the right place. He was doing the wrong thing, but with the right heart. You ever done that? I have. 
and he touched it. Now what happens next in verse 7 is devastating. And I'll be honest with you, it's hard. Like this is not an easy verse to preach on. This is a, this is a little bit difficult to interpret, but I want to give you kind of a heads up before, before we read verse 7. I don't know why God sometimes says yes to some things and why he says no to other things. Like, look, I've been studying the Bible for a long time. You know, I've done Hebrew, I've done Greek, I mean, I read the Bible like every, almost every day of my life. But when when you strip it all down, you know, at the end of the day, as a human being, as a Jesus follower, I can honestly tell you there are times in my life when I don't understand. I don't know why God, sometimes he says yes, and sometimes he says no. I don't understand why there are times when people go through suffering who seem to be like the best. You know, they seem to be like incredible people. And then why would God allow that, those people to go through those circumstances? I, I, I don't know. My job, though, as a Jesus follower, is not to understand everything. My job as a Jesus follower is not to, to know everything. That's what got Adam and Eve in trouble. You remember Adam and Eve when the, the enemy, the serpent, came and says, if you have, remember what, they, what, 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 what did he say? If you have of the fruit, your eyes will be what? Remember it? Your eyes will be open and you will know everything. And essentially what happens is they lost their innocence. My job is not to know everything. I want to know everything. Do you? Are you, kind of, are you like me? Do you want to know everything? Raise your hand. Confession is good for the soul. There you go. Thank you. I love to know everything. I want to know everything that happens with this church. I want to know everything that happens with my family. I want to know the, the littlest details. I want to know everything. Why? Why do we want to know everything? Control. We love control. You like control? Raise your hand. Amen. I'm glad I'm not alone here. Thank you for being vulnerable. I love control. And in, in, in essence, when I desire knowledge, when I desire to know all the details, what I'm doing is I want a little bit of control. I'm setting myself up as a little God. And so when we read the next verse, I'll be honest with you, I don't know why God says don't touch the ark. I don't know whether that was a rule. In, in my little mind, I'm thinking it may be similar to when, when I tell my kids, hey, they ask me, can we download this app? And, I, and Leah and I are, you know, will either say yes or no. And there are times when they'll say, uh, when we'll look at an app and then they'll say, like, look, we, we, no, you're not ready yet. And they may not understand. Can we watch these movies? Like, nope, not yet. You're not ready And I'm assuming when God says yes or when he says no, whether we understand or not, sometimes he knows. And what happens with Adam and Eve is they lost their innocence, right? But sometimes he knows, not sometimes, he always knows. And sometimes we don't understand the why behind it. Like I'll give the keys to my car to a 16-year-old child, but I'm not giving the keys to my car to a 12 year old child, right? Like, I'm not gonna, like, I don't care how much she wants to drive or he wants to drive. Like, like, you're 12. You're not getting the keys just yet for your own benefit. And so with that in mind, let's read the next verse, okay? Next verse says this, verse 7. 
remember up to this point God has said don't touch the ark I don't know why but he's, he said that don't put the, the don't put the the ark on, on a cart don't transport it like that make sure that the Levites the priests the men of God carry it they're supposed to carry it in this way and whatnot verse 7 then the Lord's anger watch this then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah the man that touched it and God struck him dead because of this and Uzzah died right there beside the ark of God now I want you to notice David's reaction because the truth is David's reaction is your reaction, is my reaction. Let, let, look at what David, what, what, it, what the Bible says David does. Verse 8. It says, David was angry because the Lord's anger had burst against Uzzah. This was his man. Like, like God, what, what, what are you doing? Verse, in, verse 9. Look at this. David was now afraid of the Lord. No joke, right? David was afraid of the Lord and he asked, how can I ever bring the ark of the Lord back into my care? So David goes through two emotions. What are they? Verse 8 and verse 9. What are the two emotions? Help me out. Verse 8. What was it? Anger. He's angry. Have you ever been there? God, why? Why did you let this happen to me? You know? Why are you... Like, you know me. You know my heart. I'm not perfect, but why... Did they, you know, why did that happen to me? Why did that happen to them? Anger. What was the second emotion in verse 9? Fear. You ever, have you ever been there? What if? Lord, what if they say yes? What if they say no? What if I do this and this happens? Very strong emotions. We go through those in life. Fear, anger. I'm sure David felt like he was emotionally about to jump off a, a, um, a cliff. He was, in fact, if you read the whole story, he was dancing. He was having a good time. He's bringing back the ark. This, this meant success. I mean, this was a good thing. And he goes from joy to mourning. I just lost my guy. Lord, what are you doing to me? Have you ever gone from, from like one end of the spectrum, one side of, you know, the, the pendulum, how it swings, and then you go to the other, like, like you're all like, you're on a high, things are going great, and all of a sudden, the, you, you hear the news, you get the bill, something happened, and you go from total happiness to all of a sudden, you're like, man, I am a mis I'm the most miserable person on earth. I, I guess that's how it must have felt for, for David. Kind of like the person that's left standing at the altar on their wedding day, right? From joy to despair. Kind of like being considered for the promotion and all of a sudden your boss calls you in and they let you go. Holy cow, I thought there was, they were going to lift me up. I thought they were going to increase my salary. I was not expecting this. And there's a, that curveball. How do you cope with that? The young couple expecting the joy of giving birth to a beautiful baby, but instead that is scary. How do you cope? How do you handle those emotions? The title of the message today is Turning Mourning into Dancing. And I'll be honest with you, I can't just stand here and tell you, give you three points and a poem, send you home to watch the Super Bowl and tell you everything's going to be fine. That would be ludicrous for me to say that. I'll be honest, it's hard. And there's times when I struggle too, when things don't go my way. When I don't understand and I feel like I'm serving God and I'm doing my best and, 
and things don't, are not clicking. How do you turn from mourning to dancing? How do you go from just surviving to thriving? Not an easy thing. I can't give you a quick answer. I want to share three things that I've discovered. I'm still learning. Three things. But here's the key. If you miss everything else, don't miss this. And it's going to sound a little bit simple, but I promise you it's, it's a game changer. The key, the key, you ready? Is to surrender. Not to give up, but to surrender. It's two different things. Sometimes we give up in life. When things don't go away, we just give up. No, no, God says, surrender your will to me. Look at it again, verse 9, right? David, I love his heart. God, how can I, how can I bring the, the ark of the Lord back into my care? That shows humility. I love he's not giving up. Franklin D. Roosevelt said, when you come to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. I love that. When you come to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. When the world says, give up, give up, give up, you're a loser, you're not enough, you know, hope whispers, try one more time, just one more time. David doesn't give up. He surrenders. It takes him between verse 9 and verse 13, it takes him three months. Three months. David is not a machine. David doesn't just surrender like, oops, that's easy. I just need to surrender. No, no, no. David is going through. He's working out all of the emotions, all everything that had happened. He, does, he probably doesn't, still, doesn't understand. He's just, he's just being a human being. We don't see that a little bit, you know, in scriptures. But I'm sure that it was, it was there. Now look in verse 13. Three months later, verse 13. So they decide to try one more time. Because when, when he lost his man, he said, okay, like we, we're going to take a break. Because something's, something's not working, right? He takes three months and says this, verse 13. They're going back to the ark and says, after the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps. How many steps? Six steps. So they go after the ark an, a, another time, and they don't go far, okay? It's, isn't it interesting that God, the Bible gives us things like nuggets of truth? You know, like, why would God be, why would he put that thought there, you know? Like, why, why does that matter? Six steps, right? One, two, three, four, five. I'm going to follow up the six. Six steps. And what do they do? What does it say? David, what? Sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. This is what's called a sin offering. You know what a sin offering in the Old Testament was? A sin offering is when you wanted to ask for forgiveness. You would just, you know, the Bible says in Hebrews 9.22, it says that the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So for us, it's a little bit different, right? Because Jesus Christ was the ultimate sacrifice. So when we ask for forgiveness, we don't have to kill an animal and do all of that stuff. No, we have, we have the benefit of Christ and we go through him. But what David is doing right here when he's sacrificing this bull, he's saying, listen, Lord, I recognize that what I was doing before was wrong. I may not understand it, but it was wrong. Probably the right motive, the wrong action. 
People sometimes they tell me, you know, I just, I don't give anything to, I don't believe in tithe, I just serve. That may be the right motive, but it's the wrong action. When you read your Bible, it's very clear in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. The work of the church, the work of Christ is supported by the people for the people. And so that's great. I love your heart. You're serving the church. That's fantastic. Wrong heart. I mean, right heart, wrong action. Does that make sense? And David says, look, I don't understand everything, Lord. But before I go much further, six steps into this. I want your blessing in my life. And I'm just going to ask you to please forgive me. And David offers this bull and he surrenders. He surrenders. Now, preachers use that word a lot, right? What does it mean to surrender? What are you talking about, Pastor Alex? Three things real quick. Number one. When you surrender, if you're taking notes, this is good for you. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's about him, okay? David is coming back, and once again, he's dancing. He's worshiping the Lord. He's not paying attention to how people are judging him. People are judging him for what he was wearing. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, but he's just worshiping God, and, and he's, cons- in fact, look in verse 14. There's the first part of verse 14. It says that David danced before the Lord with all his what? With all his might. See, when you surrender, it's not to show how dedicated you are, but to show how satisfying he is. Think, think of Abraham. When Abraham was called upon by God to surrender, to, to sacrifice his son Isaac, it was not to show how committed Abraham was, right? Like when Abraham, like when he, he was willing to sacrifice his son, is, the purpose is not to show, oh man, look at Abraham, look at Isaac. Like they're so committed. No, 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 no. The purpose is to show that, yes, God, you are greater than anything else in my life, even my kids. And so when you surrender, it's not about you. It's about how satisfying our God is and what Abraham does in Genesis 22. He says, Lord, you are greater than life itself. And so if you ask me to sacrifice my son, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense but I'm going to do it. And the Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And thousands of years later, we're learning from Abraham. Number two, when you surrender, it's not always something that you seek, but it's something that you should learn to embrace. Okay? When you surrender, number one, it's not about you. It's about him. Number two, it's not always something that you seek, but it's always always something that you have to learn to embrace so you cannot create you don't get to create the context god creates the context and you embrace it god creates what's happening in your life and you say okay lord you've brought me you you brought me up to this point i'm sure you're going to bring me through it and you say you know what i am going to embrace it it's noah right think of noah god says no, I want you to build an ark. It's a different kind of ark. I want you to build this boat. Okay, it's a matter of life and death. It had not rained. Okay, it, this was not something that Noah was seeking, right? I mean, think of the guy. Like, he's building this boat, like, and nobody had ever seen rain. Nobody understood why he was doing this. He was calling people and said, you better get your life right. You better get, sign up, get on the boat, get on the raft, because rain is coming, So he didn't create the situation, but he embraced it. 
Does that make sense? When you surrender, you say, okay, Lord, I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through, but I'm going to, I'm going to embrace what you've given me. I'm sure it was the same way for David. He was bringing the ark back. He thought he was doing a good thing. It was the wrong way, so he suffered the consequences. One of his own men dies. This is not something that he fabricated. He didn't want to lose anyone. But later on, he learns to embrace it. He says, you know what, Lord? I'm going to ask forgiveness. I'm going to sacrifice this bull, and I'm going to, I'm going to ask for your blessing. Number three, when you surrender, it happens within the context of desperation. Often in my life, when I've surrendered to the Lord, is usually because I'm going through something that's difficult, that's above what I'm capable of handling. And I've, I've learned that when I appreciate the difficulty, the difficult times, it helps me get on my knees faster. And when I get on my knees, it's a beautiful thing. And so... If you're going through a difficult time, maybe, I don't know, maybe your parents are not doing well. Maybe the kids are not behaving or they're not doing well. Maybe it's a health thing. Maybe it's a, a financial thing. Whatever. When you embrace that, when you say, okay, Lord, I see it. I don't like it. But God, I'm going to, I'm going to thank you for it. And it's going to help me surrender. When you do that, it's a beautiful thing. Think about it. In real life, with Real countries and real people, we don't usually surrender when things are going well, right? The, the, the wrestler doesn't tap out when he thinks he's going to win the match. And so see the difficult thing as a good thing in your life. See the challenge and the mountain as something in, that God can use in your life for you to depend on Him. Look at what it says, verse 22. It's interesting. So verse 22 um, He's, uh, David's coming back, and um, he's confronted by Saul's daughter, Michael, and Saul was the previous king, and uh, Michael is judging King David for what he's wearing, okay? And um, he's wearing his priestly attire now, rather than his royal garment, and Michael is like, man, I can't believe you're doing this, and da, 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 you know, and David, look at what he says. Verse 21, 2 Samuel 6, 21. So David said to Michael, it was before the Lord that I worship. It was before, it was before the Lord, the one that called me that I'm doing this. I'm not wearing what I'm wearing because of you. It says it was before the Lord. Look at, look at the, next, the end of the verse. It says, therefore, he says, I will play music before the Lord. I will, I will be even more undignified than this. And I will be humble in my own sight. David had gone through some things in his life. He had learned a few things. That, that whole event, for you and I, it's just kind of a Bible story. You know, here we go. You know, we can't wait to get the thing over. You know. But for David, this was, this was his own guy that he lost right there. This taught David who's in charge. And you think? I mean, put yourself in his shoes, right? And this is a life lesson that, man, the, the earlier you learn this, the better. God's going to get his way, one way or the other. He, he is. Now, when I, when I surrender to his will, man, my enjoyment of life 
it just, it is, it becomes magnified. And so when you go through difficult moments, you can get bitter or you can get better in life. But God always wins. And each event, each event that pushes you to the brink of despair is just, is yet another opportunity for you to say, I can't, but Jesus can so embrace it. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads. I'm wondering, have you completely surrendered your life to your God? It's a difficult question. Have you completely surrendered your life to your God? Have you surrendered your children to the Lord? I know you love them. He loves them way more than you. Have you surrendered your time to the Lord? Have you surrendered your finances to the Lord? Have you surrendered your career to the Lord? Because if you're like me, man, I hold on so tightly. This is such an easy message to preach, but it's so hard to practice. I don't know why everything happens in life. But I know that when I can get myself to a place where I say what Jesus said before the cross, not my will, but yours be done, it is, there, there's so much freedom in my life. And so perhaps you're holding on to something right now. Nobody knows. Perhaps it is a time for you to say, Lord, set me free. God, do a work in me like never before. Lord, help me to be like David after he learned his lesson to surrender. God, help me to have the right heart, but also do the right things. They're both equally important. God, help me, help me to treat my spouse the right way. Help me to, to be a, an authentic Christian. God, help me. You know, you know the difficulties. You know the layers. You know that it's, it's, not, it's not like, it's, a, it's, it's not as simple as. Let's pray. God, you know our hearts. You know the good, the bad, the ugly. yet you chose us. You chose to love us intimately, deeply, in ways that we'll never understand. God, may we worship you in spirit and truth. God, may we not just check off boxes. God, we seek you. We want more of you. Have your way, Lord. Pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.